Welcome to EdTech Adventures. Join us as we explore the role of technology, STEM, and creative play in education. With expert guests, we'll discover how learning is always an adventure. Drone races, scratch sprites, and robotics. How can we use EdTech tools to engage underserved communities so that they can see themselves in STEM careers? Today, our guest, Ms. Robotics, shares the representation and inclusion strategies she's used to excite, inspire, and motivate children of color in STEM education. Born in Puerto Rico, raised in Miami, and living in New York City, open Stephanie Lugo's eyes to the gap in sustainable STEM programs in urban neighborhoods. After a decade in education, she decided to be a part of the solution, and Ms. Robotics was born. Ms. Robotics LLC specializes in bringing innovative STEM programs to every child. Programs include, but are not limited to, VEX IQ, drones, coding 101, and game development. Ms. Robotics has assisted Langston League LLC with partnerships for Google Code Next, MIT, and Microsoft's Xbox. Thanks so much for joining our podcast, Stephanie. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> Glad to have you with us. Now, let's start at the beginning. Could you describe a memorable education experience that you've had as a student? A memorable was my math teacher, Ms. Fernandez. I used to talk a lot in her class. And rather than just getting me in trouble, she was like, you know what? I need to do something with this girl. So she got me into honors math. And that was the beginning of me being more talented in education. And it shows the importance of having educators that care. So shout out to Ms. Fernandez. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Ms. Fernandez. <laughs> Thanks for seeing Ms. Robotics, helping her shine, basically. Now, from there, so yes. you have that positive experience. What led you into STEM education? Can you share a little bit of your journey there? I've always been interested in being challenged with critical thinking. And I started my teaching career with science. We used to have science experiments every week. At first, it was for the kids, and then it became for me because I just loved the exploratory learning. And then I got into robotics. I was the only teacher that was willing to learn in the weekend. And I was like, sure, why not? And before they know it, my supervisor bought me a robot. She was like, you're teaching it next week. I was like, what? What are you talking about? So <laughs> it was kind of like a mistake, but not a mistake. And then 10 years later, I've done so much with it. So that's part of just who I am. I'm always open to learning and I'm always open to growing. What were some of your first robot experiences with the students? Like you said, you just bought a robot and all of a sudden you're teaching it. So do you mind going in more detail yes. about what that was like? In the beginning, since it was such a new program, the kids were scared. We started with Vex IQ. The kids were scared to break the robot or the pieces. And I was like, that doesn't matter. That's part of learning. Like making mistakes is part of learning. I want you to lose that fear. And little by little, then they started building their own thing. They used to come in the classroom, take over, and the rest is history. Yeah. Now, recently, <laughs> you've been really passionate about serving children of color in STEM education. Could you share what got you interested in that? When I came from Puerto Rico at five years old, my mom always like looked into newspapers to try to find the best resources because, you know, we were low income. So my passion with Miss Robotics is providing resources for all children. So rather than parents thinking that they have to, you know, go to a big place to find something, like I'm there to provide the resources for them. I mean, every child, because socioeconomic status should not be the reason 
that a child gets quality education. I always remember where I come from and my story, and I always want to, you know, help out kids that look like me. We at Co-Combat, we also believe in that. We're trying to work through that. We have DEI initiatives now, diving further into the research there. We've run into some obstacles. What are some obstacles that have gotten in the way of having more diversity and representation in STEM careers? Lack of representation and lack of knowledge. When I start kids with coding, they get scared because a lot of them have never even had the opportunity to code before. So coding has, or computer science has like a negative connotation because they don't know about it. So that's why, you know, throughout the years in education, I've used Code Comeback because the kids are like, wait, I'm coding? What, what is this? And before they know it, they're writing their lines of code using Python or Java, whichever one they prefer, which is why I'm so passionate about Code Comeback. Code Comeback has helped me break barriers and break that negative connotation of like coding is impossible because kids are used to playing games, but what Code Combat does is being able to code it as well. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. We're still working on that. But I, I know also that a lot of kids, I know I've had these conversations where they can't even see themselves in STEM careers. Like they'll say, oh no, that's for other people, not me. How do you combat that kind of thinking? Yeah, the beginning of any program that I make, it's changing the mindset. Psychology is very important. Recently, I was in another event in Atlanta. I was teaching 56 kids. And what we did in the beginning, like right off the start, I made them write on the left side of the paper, what are sentences or words that have become an obstacle for you, you know, to obstruct your learning. And I told them when I was younger, it was like, I am dumb. I am ugly and all of these things. And then I told them on the right side of the paper, I want you to write the complete opposite because we need to change the mindset. And it was very impromptu because the activity that I created was just for them to just do that. But some of them wanted to volunteer and raise their hand and they started sharing it. And it gave me chills. A lot of the adults were trying not to cry. So a lot of my programs is, is changing mindset, is psychology, like retraining, because again, because of the lack of representation, a lot of the kids don't see themselves. So changing the mindset is the first thing I do. I love that. That's like the whole psychology behind it. And I agree, if you don't have the mindset, you're not going to feel motivated to even try, right? I know exactly. you have just a toolbox of strategies. Can you share some more strategies that have worked for you when it comes to engaging children of color in STEM education? Going hands-on and, and just trying it. Yes, I had to change their mindset, but a lot of it is me always not stopping their learning. Like whenever I create an activity or present, I never have like, oh, this is all they're going to do. I don't care if it's the first time they do it. In my mind, they're limitless. So that's the way that I teach them. When I mean empowering children, that's what I mean, because there's, you know, people out there that come in and they're like, oh, no, you know, they're, they're children of color or they're, they're beginners. You know, they lower the bar. I always believe in keeping the bar high and the kids, kids will amaze you. <laughs> kids will amaze you. Not only will they reach that bar, but they go above and beyond. Agreed. We've been amazed by the games that they've created for us. We're always excited. We're like, I wonder what they're going to do. And every single time yes. uh, they surprise us. So you've worked with drones when you're teaching. How has that changed things up in the classroom? 
it has made me think about every detail of things that could go wrong. <laughs> when I've taught drones, I have thought about every single possible thing, a drone getting stuck on someone's hair, flying parts. So it has just pushed me to be more specific when I come to creating rubrics, creating the curriculum, but to see the kids be so happy about it, they take care of it like it's their baby. <laughs> so it's, re it's a really cool experience. Any tips and tricks for someone who's like you probably got a drone and then the principal said, hey, you're going to teach drones the next day. <laughs> Any strategies or tips and tricks on how to start? Like, do you start with 10 drones? Do you start with one? How do you get them started? My biggest advice is to one, have a space for it. And if you're going to do it in the classroom, be very specific to the kids towards what the goals that they're supposed to accomplish. Like part of the rubric that I created the first day, they learned about the drone. I was very specific about no one starts up the drone until I say go. No one can stand up. This is how you're going to be graded. I want the drone to hover. I want it to flip. I want, you know, the more specific the teacher could be, the better. Because otherwise, like the kids don't know. So then before you know it, the drone is all the way in <laughs> Texas. <laughs> And you, you can't get mad at the kid because you were supposed to be specific. So envision what the end goal is and be specific with kids and they'll follow through. Right. And you said, oh, it's great to see how excited they are. But I can imagine some teachers going, oh, my gosh, that sounds like such a headache. Why should I spend all that time setting up a drone like race or a drone course for my students, what are the other benefits of doing something like that, especially with kids who might have not had exposure to technology as much or who are coming from underserved communities? Yes. Well, actually, when I did it in the school, the teachers were joining in. So they were like, OK, could we fly it? So the kids were teaching the teachers. So it was like a, a very nice moment because if the kid is able to teach it to the teacher, then, you know, they learned. Again, all of that is exposure. A lot of the kids wouldn't have an opportunity to have those drones if it wasn't for that moment and breaking that barrier of like, oh, no, that's impossible or that's too expensive or whatever. Like they break that fear. Like I had a kid, he was in my robotics team a few years ago and now he has a full ride scholarship in Cornell for engineering and his interest started with our team. So you never know what what it could lead to. Yeah, super proud of him. That's awesome to hear. And I, I love, again, that idea of it changes their mindset that, hey, this is possible. I am allowed to work with this kind of technology. So outside of robotics, what are some other ways we can work to create more inclusive learning experiences in ed tech? For example, you've worked with Scratch and Code Combat. How can we be inclusive in a learning experience like that? So I think another cool thing is including them in competitions. There's so many other resources like for Vex IQ, I took them to the competitions and they were able to interact with other schools. There's also virtual competitions. The cool thing is when you're able to take it from the classroom and take it out there where it becomes real, because sometimes when you leave it in the classroom, the kids just think that is just a grade. And then when they start networking and they start speaking to other people, then they're like, wait, this could be my life, you know? The kid that made it to Cornell, part of the project was they had to present to judges, they had to network, they had to speak. It was a whole big thing. So 
once they see that we're past the classroom and it becomes the real world, I think that's where the real learning happens. Right. It sounds like they also have that opportunity to practice professional skills that they're going to need in a real job, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Now, do you have any other resources that educators and parents can use to increase STEM engagement with children of color. We've talked about these competitions. We've talked about using drones, robotics, code combat, things like that. Any other resources that you have in mind for them? Yes. Apple just launched a new one called Swift Playgrounds, and that's free. So you can use it in any Apple product. Of course, Code Combat. Amazon has great resources as well, and they have virtual competitions. VexIQ, Microsoft Make Code. I'm telling you, I have a lot of resources, but <laughs> those are what comes to the top of my mind. Gotcha. And it sounds like they could find more on your website, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm adding more stuff on it. I'm actually going to add co comeback on it as well. Okay, great. And we'll put your link <laughs> in the episode description so everyone can find it. Now, at the end of Thank the day, you. why should we care about representation and inclusion when it comes to the future of ed tech? It's important. Right now, there's less than 10% of people of color in STEM. Joy Bulamwini in Coded Bias, she spoke about the importance of representation because the racism that certain people have is inputted into artificial intelligence and facial recognition. It's just a matter of balance. We need everybody to be represented. So, for example, in Coded Bias, when she spoke about it in the documentary, the facial recognition didn't recognize a person of color versus when she put on a white mask. So that's important because a lot of people are being convicted or being into prison or jail because of the technology or lack of. So technology is the now and the future. So we just need everybody from all different cultures and countries to come together to be represented. Right. And it that's like literally with AI, they're not being seen, like literally. Yes. Right. That's concerning. Yes, yeah. And that'd be exciting to have more voices in the room too, when we're building technology in the future. Absolutely. Now you have all of these resources, of course, your website. What advice would you give to someone who wants to incorporate more DEI or representation in their school or classroom? What's that first step that they can take? The first step that they can take is having a vision. I always believe in dreaming big. So what is the angle that you want for the kids? And then work from there. So maybe if your end goal is to have a competition come into the school, how is it that even if the kids don't have the knowledge yet, how is it that you could get them to that point? I think when you are in the classroom, because I recently left, You always think about the now, just what's going to happen now because you're so tired. But the fact that we have kids for 10 months and that could change their life, I think that's what educators need to think about. It's not about just a test. It's not about a lesson plan. It's about really changing their lives. They are the adults, the leaders of tomorrow. So think big. I always say that. Just think big. There's no limit. I love that. So think big, the sky's the limit and change your mindset, right? Not just about yourself, but also with your students. Well, thank you so much for being part of this interview, Stephanie, and definitely check out her site for more resources. 
Absolutely. I love cold comeback. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to EdTech Adventures. Please subscribe to catch more of our episodes and leave a review to support the show. For more resources and info, visit us at codecombat.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Chang. We'll see you on our next learning adventure.